Hi everybody, welcome to Crit Club, a podcast where four friends discuss a film plucked from the Criterion Collection that none of them have seen. This week we're taking off to my home and native land to bear witness to the demented fever dream that is Matthew Rankin's 2019 feature, The 20th Century. Based on the diaries of Canada's longest-serving prime minister and well-known oddball slash mama's boy, William Lyon Mackenzie King, the 20th century follows the ambitious king on the road to a mid-level grace, greatness that doesn't attract too much attention or upset anyone too badly or achieve any kind of flashy excellence. This film is an off-the-wall, deliberately ahistorical, surreal tour of notions of Canadian identity, relations between Canada's Anglo and Francospheres, its complicated relationship to the creaky British monarchy, and much, <laughs> much more. Um, as the sole Canadian in uh, this merry gang, uh, I found uh, this movie to be a lot of things, but I'm especially curious to see how, uh, how three Americans absorbed... Uh, Absorbed the 20th you, century. So, who are you in this podcast with, Chris? I am doing this podcast with my three American co-hosts. Uh, we have Angela, Howdy, and Peter Allen Clark. Hey, that's me. Hi, and Corey. Hello. There they are, Americans in my Canadian web. So, I am very curious to see what people thought about this. I obviously picked this movie. Well, maybe it's not so obvious. Um, a Canadian film uh, is something that uh, we just have never really talked about too much on mm-hmm. this uh, on this podcast. Um, is this our first Canadian film? I think it is. I think so. Um, I think I floated a Cronenberg pick um, at one point in the yeah. early days. Um, but mm-hmm. I wasn't really feeling it, and I don't think we were really feeling it. So it was, uh, when I saw this, uh, when Angela sent it my way, I was like, oh, man, this, uh, this is a deep dive uh, into Canadian identity. Can I go first about <clears throat> my first thoughts? Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> this is Peter again. Uh, so I think it's very funny. Throughout watching this movie, I kept remembering what I had talked about on our previous episode when you introduced that you were doing this pick. And I said a lot of very stupid things. Uh, I said, uh, boy, I just, I'm really excited to learn more about this time in Canadian history and to, <laughs> to really understand more about what's going on and the turn of the century in the Canada. It's very funny to me. Uh, just the, uh, I think I compared it to everlasting moments in a lot of ways. <clears throat> yeah. And I laughed, uh, I laughed a lot, uh, in spite of myself, just like Santa Claus. Um, and, uh, boy, what another masterpiece. We're like three in a row with this with this uh, bunch of nonsense. I, I was not expecting. There's a moment, there's a moment, because the first scene is him talking to the uh, uh, girl with tuberculosis, mm-hmm. uh, and there's a moment uh, when she's coughing up blood, and I was like, oh, this is that kind of movie. <laughs> yeah. and, I got, and I got very excited. Gouts of blood. <laughs> and I got very excited, uh, and I found it to be um, uh, a, a farcical, whimsical, uh, wonderful romp that wore its references on its sleeve, uh, and they were more like homages than they were sort of rip-offs, and I felt like it had a really wonderful unique voice about it i also learned a ton about canadian history it sent me down a lot of wikipedia uh rabbit holes i'm sure yeah um and i think i think also the more i thought about it and i've mentioned this a number of times during these episodes but we've we've watched a bunch of debut filmmakers a bunch of first and early films during this and this is again this is his first film what's the filmmaker's name again Uh, matthew Matthew Rankin. rankin Yeah, it was his first film, and I felt like it stood. I felt like it, 
it carried a confidence and professionalism that a lot of other debut films that we've watched have not. I felt like it was a really wonderfully realized vision, and I had a fucking great time with it. An absolutely great time with it. That's my, those are my thoughts, initial thoughts. Good and great, yeah, great initial thoughts. Um, Corey, how about you go next? I also really liked it. I really enjoyed it um, from beginning to end. Uh, I think that I, I was wondering at times if I wasn't educated enough to uh, understand the movie on all of its levels. Um, and I feel like if I knew this history more, I would be enjoying it even more. Mm-hmm. But that didn't really stop my enjoyment of it because yeah. it is so, like, just ridiculous and silly and visually very appealing. And I think the actors do, like, a really good job. I think yeah. the, ma- the main guy, the, the main character, is a great actor um, yes. and totally pulls off, like, this, like dopey deadpan the whole time um and i think it's a great script too like the various like plot threads and all that stuff end up weaving together in like weird ways that uh i wasn't you know necessarily expecting um and and it all like just kind of comes together in like a really dumb and silly climax i don't know i i think it's a really good movie uh and yeah i was into it awesome Angela, what did you think of the 20th century? It is my kind of absurdity. I freaking loved it. It was like, you know how we've watched a lot of these really absurd films that are hard to parse or like, um, you know, you can't really go along for the ride because there's something missing. This one didn't have it missing. Like you understood that there was a path and it was so tongue in cheek that that you wanted to see where it went and that you could watch it with a certain level of levity you know like when the tubercular child is coughing up blood (laughs) you know under normal circumstances you know my pathos would be you know just killing me and preventing me from enjoying this film but the way that it's staged um and from the very beginning is that you are meant to laugh you are meant to see the absurdity that is uh, the Canadian origin story and, or it's not really the origin story. It's this prime minister story. Um, and all that has brought, um, him and him to this point. Uh, and I just, uh, I found it deliciously wicked and in the same way that I love watching John Waters movies. Um, I liked this, like I, I would like, I'm always wishing I was watching a movie with John Waters, but now even more so, like I wanted to hear like, where is he going to laugh? Um, and I cackled multiple times, like, <laughs> I, like the whole cactus thing, right? The cactus oh thing. The cactus. <laughs> I was like, oh, they're going to go there. They're really going there. And they went. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and it just made me appreciate Canadian comedy even more. Like I'm a huge letter candy fan. I know that's not the only thing to Canadian comedy, um, but also kids in the hall. Uh, the absurdity that, yeah. <laughs> is real. And um, I was swimming in it. Um, I Because it was just so weird, I didn't dig deep into meaning on it. And I needed that. I just needed to sit and be entertained. And I and I didn't get all of the huge connections in, in what the filmmaker was trying to say. Uh, but boy, did I have fun watching it. So I'm glad, like, when I read the description of this movie, I was it was a Friday night and I was drinking and I was looking through all the Criterion 
channel shows just to see what I wanted to pick. But then I read this description and I was like, wow, if there this isn't a wizard movie, I don't know what is. So thanks for choosing it. Thanks for well, what did you think of down. your pick? Um, yeah, I had a really fun time with this movie. Hooray! Um, not just uh, like I suppose, not just on a on like it's a silly. It was a silly romp with uh, with just like just beautiful sets. Like the movie's so fun to look at, so pretty. Yeah. Um, uh, it's so like deliciously weird and um, very like it has some very interesting things very like typical well maybe not has some interesting things to say about Canada and I felt seen uh, to to a certain <laughs> extent by that um, about Winnipeg uh, you know I've never Winnipeg. I've <laughs> never been to the flesh pots of Winnipeg never once um, I can honestly Where say do you get your boots <laughs> I I get them ordered in um, through our functioning postal system different it's time, great different time. yeah this is the early 20th century they didn't have shipment back then yeah, it's yeah. true um, but yeah it's it's such like a it's so like just like zany the whole like. Canadian history. I, so last episode, I asked you guys to check out some Canadian heritage moments on the YouTube. Did any of you get around to doing that? Mm-mm. No, I didn't. There's I've like seen a, them work. before, but I there, wasn't going to go down that rabbit hole. I've watched Kids in the Hall. There's a tone. So so Canadian history is very largely presented to us like in school and in general and personified or characterized in these like Canadian heritage minutes as these like very dusty, dry stories about like whiskered white men deciding good governance and policy. Um, and we rarely talk about uh, we rarely talk about anything that makes our history like super weird or like um, Again, like slightly entertaining, like the thrust of the film is that Canadian identity, and I really want to quote the film here because it really captures, it really does it really well. Um, Canadians, in happy days as in sad, disappointed shall shall you be always and forevermore. May the disappointment keep us safe from foolish aspirations and unreasonable longing. I don't know oh. if Americans get that sense of Canada, but that I fear is Canada in a nutshell. Um, the little salute, uh, do more than is your duty, expect less than is your right, is another classic Canadian um, like outlook, I guess. And you know, between like the visuals and sort of what it had to say about about Canada and everybody's performances and the weirdness of it, I just I thought this was a great movie. I had a great time with it. Hell yeah. <laughs> And I, <clears throat> I, I would love to keep talking about about the history though because I I have a degree in history and it was also enormously right up my alley, and really did send me along not not only about you know this old prime minister and his five terms I didn't know that he'd served through World War II and praised Hitler in 1937. Um, but it, oh, yeah, no, really thought he, he knew what was best for the German people. Um, but it also sent me down around, like, the Boer War reminded me, like, I read up and reminded myself about that whole thing. And also just the relationship I've always felt a little murky about, and I imagine Can- Canadians probably do too, between England and Canada. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I really... I got a lot of, even though I, I recognized, of course, I wasn't trying to tell a one-to-one tale of this is Canadian history, just in a fun way. Uh, but but I, the, the 
there was a lot of sentiment that felt very real and very uh, uh, chiding, but also very endearing about it as well. Like there was like a lot of love in its mocking of itself, uh, which yeah. was its own Canadian thing. But I, I completely appreciated not only the actual depictions of various things that happened in history, but also the um, sentiment that sort of went with them. There's a lot of privilege, a lot of pride, a lot of expectation. Uh, I, I don't know. There's a, there's a lot of, yes, all of, that. All of these things. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, uh, having seen the film, like what do we think of, uh, what do we think of this, uh, this, this director's view of Canada? Like we've talked about letter Kenny and kids in the hall and that kind of thing. Like for you guys, where does that kind of fit in your, where does this fit in sort of jokes about Canada or um, like your perceptions of Canada? I, I, it gave more of a, um, I, I don't know, like the art style or whatever, but it's like that old, like, you know, 1950s kind of, you know, very stylized, um, like, German I want to say Saul, like Saul Bass kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, like it kind of reminded me of a lot of that. And I don't know the the dry humor and maybe this is just because i don't know enough of like to have enough like other frames of reference but it almost felt like monty python-esque where like a lot of the delivery was just very like dry and absurd and everyone just kind of like lives and exists in this dry and absurdist yeah. world um yeah. i don't know that it, it reminded that me world of like, the canada. Monty that world movies, is so. canada <laughs> um yeah, the whole thing it has these like cool blues and like bright colors. There, all the sets are sort of rendered in this like German expressionist, like group of seven kind of um, like impressionist uh, like way. Like I just I loved watching the sort of like far shots in the film where you just see them like walking along these like impossible like Star Wars scenes. Um, the bit where uh, where William uh, Lyon Mackenzie King follows his uh, his lady crush home like to the governor general's mansion on the little ski lift was so Mm -hmm. like so like it was like a wes anderson moment um but i wasn't i wasn't i didn't think of it that way until after the fact i was like oh yeah like it's like mini little tiny things that play like that's very like that has like a very wes anderson vibe to it but it didn't it just was such a like a charming way of filming the of shooting this movie which must have been done in like a gymnasium somewhere or something like that yeah i was wondering if it was you know um kind of a a product of like a low budget or like that that's kind of all they had to work with and so it becomes that you know art within constraints kind of thing where you know because maybe they had like a low budget for actually shooting on scene or shooting on location they were like well how can we make it cool how can we make it interesting Mm -hmm. i I don't actually know what the budget of the movie was i can't imagine it was that much i'm sure that my tax dollars paid for the majority of uh (laughs) of that cactus come but that's okay um yeah Uh, I, i like i I think to answer your question about how this movie fits into my understanding, appreciation, uh, view of Canada, throughout all of it, all of the characters had earnestness, had an earnestness that I, that just kind of roundly uh, equates to my understanding of uh, not only Canada, but Canadians' uh, attitudes about themselves. Mm. Um, but there was also just so much poking fun. I loved when he went to Vancouver and like all of those... <laughs> pyramid you know <laughs> the tree stumps mm-hmm. which is so funny. um yeah 
so bizarre. Angela, what do you think of Canada after this uh, after this one? <laughs> I think that Canada must be somehow really difficult to live in because all of the good media that comes out of Canada is comedy and that there is like this feeling f from an outsider that, you know, you can only laugh. We got to make this funny because otherwise it would be tragic. Um, and that's a bunch of good Canadian horror. That's a bunch of good Canadian horror. <laughs> that's true. I know, but you know me. I don't watch horror, so I wouldn't know. <laughs> but, um, well, then, I mean, what does horror say about the Canadian uh, psyche itself? I mean, I'm from New England, and I think, you know, there is something similar in the New England psyche in the creepiness of, of, of nature in the um, more rural parts of it. And I think Canada might have that as well. I don't know. You seem to have like, uh, uh, you know, Providence and um, Lovecraft kind of resonates with you. And I feel like there's a there's kind of a similar spookiness with New England that maybe Canada has that that these comedies have kind of opened up for me. So what is this? What do you think of Canada now, Chris, having seen this? Did this fit in with the uh, historical moments or whatever it's called? Yeah, um, the heritage moments. That's heritage where moments. that's where we kind of like learn our uh, that's where we learn our history, at least as kids, you know, little uh, little 60 second shots on the CBC uh, pre presented in this incredibly earnest way. Um, in this way that's like very influenced by how like British, how like the British Empire taught its history for a very long time. Like this idea that every moment in history is kind of leading up to whatever the present day status quo is. Um, and I imagine like Americans can also kind of appreciate that notion of kind of like, you know, this, this had to happen so that we could develop uh, parliamentary good governance and we could do this and we could do that. It's a very like... It's a very, you know, deterministic way of looking at, at history um, and a very like earnest way of kind of expressing our history um, to each other. Um, this kind of, you know... What it, did you it, know about William... Lyon but McKenzie. William Lyon yes. Mackenzie King. So William Lyon Mackenzie King has yes, the longest serving uh, Canadian prime minister. He served for like 21 years or something like that. Um, not entirely in, uh, we don't like you can kind of like in Canada, you can, you know, serve like non consecutive terms as many mm -hmm. times as you want. Or you can be if you keep getting the votes, you can be prime minister forever and ever. Uh, which is a scary thought. Um, but in Canada, um, he's largely known as the guy on the 50. Um, he led us through World War II, although we rarely talk about uh, how he said positive things about Adolf Hitler in 1937, uh, which mm -hmm. is well past the point of being of it being fashionable to say nice things about Adolf Hitler, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, and um, the biggest thing that we talk about uh, in sort of like Canadian popular culture is the is the story that William Lyon Mackenzie King, um, who was a, a oddball with very few friends and a bachelor all his life, held seances in the Parliament buildings um, yeah. and talked to his mother uh, through a medium. Uh, Sometimes, sometimes uh, just to talk, but our, uh, our understanding of it is that he also talked to her uh, on matters of policy, which is a bit <laughs> freaky. Um, yeah, yeah, that was the thing I looked into and saw that a lot of this, at least a lot of his parts within this movie, were based around the, the, 
the diaries that he had kept mm-hmm. during his time. I would love to read those diaries because the director describes this film as kind of like a, a nightmare or like a dream that Mackenzie King might have had at some point, um, which I think allows like for all of the really like charming touches of the film, like the the gender and colorblind casting, like the 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 weird like bounciness of it, how it just kind of like seems to float from like scene to scene. Um, oh man. <laughs> Um, yeah, I've kind of lost my train of thought here, but, uh, I say thumbs up to this anyways. Um, yeah, Mackenzie King is kind of like a strange character. Um, but in Canada, we don't really spend a lot of time sort of rehashing like old prime ministers, except for Pierre Trudeau, who was our hottest prime minister, um, and our most controversial one uh, until Justin Trudeau, I suppose, um, who gets to be our hottest prime minister. Um, yeah, it's tough for me to think of a of an American equivalent to this. Americans are either uh, way too. I think you know. I'm sure there's an equivalent like this, but but there's just such a endearingness about this movie to Canada. Like it love it lovingly mocks Canada, whereas I feel like you know Americans are either gonna be too proud or too angry uh, at at America to 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 have such like a have such a a fondness for it (laughs) tucked deep within. Um, To the point that it's hard to live in Canada, this film also, I think, definitely encapsulates a lot of that. Like, that Canada is a classic, like, shooting for the middle kind of nation in our outlook. And, you know, like, the ending of the film is my absolute favorite part of the film he has a choice Mackenzie King has a has a binary choice between raising the flag of the of uh of Israel Tart and embracing like Quebec sovereignty um or raising the imperial flag of the of the evil governor general and embracing this kind of like this kind of like inflated neo-fascist like uh, lockstep with Britain kind of like murder spree and William Lyon Mackenzie King ever like the consummate Canadian says we will re-raise the disappointment and the disappointment will <laughs> reign supreme uh, for a thousand thousand years and I was like yeah that is oh, man so when I felt said I felt seen that was definitely the moment um, and especially like these days in regards to you know, the Canadian the Canadian government's response to COVID and like everyone's messing up, but it's a it's a good it, this was a good film for being like oh our government has always kind of been lightly ineffectual in a way that's inoffensive and I <laughs> loved the casting of Mackenzie King um, oh, loved so the casting good. of Mackenzie King uh, as this kind of like deeply repressed like just like he like quivers the scene where he's like sniffing the boot is one of the funniest (laughs) things um that i've seen this week by far um and really like he plays that scene so well just like shaking with like unleashed foot lust um loved it um yeah obviously this is not historical document um uh, Arthur Meehan and William Lyon Mackenzie King are two uh, Canadian prime ministers who hated each other, um, may have engaged in homoerotic banter as depicted in the film, but probably not. Um, you know, um, the governor general, which is a, a position that I don't know if you guys, that a quick Google search figures out what a governor yeah, general does, at, right? Yeah. Um, this kind of like representative of the British monarch in Canada, since Canada is still technically subject to the Queen of England, right? So we have this, we have this largely ceremonial role that 
really only in William Lyon Mackenzie King's time was the only it was the only time where there was like a conflict between the governor general and the prime minister as to like what direction the country would go. Again, this is very boring Canadian like you know, in the end, good governance won out kind of stuff um, and never reached this level of like uh, of like antagonism or whatever. Governor General does not have a lot to do. They mostly cut ribbons and um, they and didn't appear. have a nice skating uh, endurance test. No, no. Um, the leg wrestling too. Uh, seal clubbing, though, is very, very yeah, popular oh, yeah. in Canada. I, I, yeah, I love that. That that was when during the endurance test part is when I truly got invested in the movie. When they were doing all those like silly endurance tests to decide who the candidate was going to be and stuff, I was like, I am fully in. Oh, that was when I was like, oh, you're going a little too far on this. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, it was still fun. It was definitely still fun. That that was yeah. That for me was like a moment. That was a moment of like, hmm, are, are we going to do like, well, I guess there were maple syrup jokes because maple walnut ice cream plays an mm-hmm. important role in the film. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> I also oh! really liked, go ahead. Oh no, I just loved the, the bird, you know, his, his I was father's say, stuffed bird was the best. <laughs> best thing. <clears throat> yeah. This thing gets whacked. It's very sad. I can't speak yeah. to any of that. Uh, Mackenzie King's father is a degenerate gambler. I imagine that comes up in the diaries or something like that. Mm. I don't. And like it's it's things like that that I really credit this movie and this vision with a lot because when you make the decision to go enormously absurd, when you make the decision that you want a surrealist nightmare or fantasy, uh, I think that you can, you know, you can keep going all the way as far as you want. And I I think there was just the right amount of that stuff in this movie. Like, I think that's why I was talking about it being almost not feeling like a debut, a debut film because there's so much restraint Mm -hmm. because yeah, you got this puppet bird, but there could have been, you know, a thousand other things. I I think there was just amount of this just absurd level of, of bewilderment uh, for me at least. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it really leads into this weird, into its, like, expressionist aesthetic. Like, it's really, like, weird. I think the reason the the puppet bird works so well is because the scenes are, like, very sparsely shot. Like, there's not a lot to look at. And you're like, all right, well, here's the bird. Um, and everybody in, the, in these scenes, like, everybody is, like, dead serious about all of this. And... It's it's such like a masterclass in like deadpan delivery and that that again that like earnest like we are not in a comedy kind of like happy go lucky um, like style of acting I think it's really effective um, with some of the more like incredibly bizarre elements of the film. This is a film with two bird puppets, two beautifully rendered mm-hmm. bird puppets. Yes, the albatross. I forgot uh, about the albatross. Yeah. Yes. Um, another important part of becoming Prime Minister of Canada is the, the albatross call. <laughs> so, what did you all think about the uh, what did you all think about the casting? A lot of like the, the colorblind and gender blind sort of casting around it. The I saw this quote, I think it was on Wikipedia, it might have been somewhere else, of of the director saying, This is just like, you know, you go to a school play and no one bats an eye about whomever's playing whatever role and I completely for whatever reason this was the movie that like oh yeah why doesn't everyone do this this is great it's a galaxy super enjoyable moment. yeah yeah it honestly was like that that woman playing tart was like I love this I don't yeah I don't want anyone else playing this yeah. but what did you all think of this I really appreciated all of the asserted uh, absurdity because it removes the veneer of um you know a lot of historical 
fiction movies kind of have this air of like, well, this is how it really happened. Or, you know, it, it just doesn't do enough to kind of, it's almost as if the goal of historical fiction dramas is to, you know, immerse you in that time. And I feel like all of the absurdity is meant to, uh, in a fun way, allow you to preserve a certain objectivity to like, what is it that this guy is saying about the history instead of just absorbing it without question. And I thought that was refreshing. Um, I liked how it was, it was done with a certain, you know, uh, flair and joie de vivre in terms of how they casted that. Um, and it, it just also allowed you to consume what you were seeing um, with, uh, with a better attitude. Like I just, I, I really appreciated all of that. And I think a lot of it would have been like the story, you know, the story would have been, you know, white men like that just kind exactly. of would have been the story because that's that's who was, you know, running the world and stuff. Uh, and so having it, you know, with, you know, different uh, genders and different ethnicities and the different like casting things was probably pointing a finger to like the fact that, you know, this you know was a story of white men. But we have, you know, hopefully moving beyond that here like mm -hmm. doing doing so intentionally by having this casting um yeah canada the canadian like canadian you know canadian sort of self-image uh broadly anyways um is one in which like everybody is everybody is supposed to be welcome here and we are a cultural mosaic where everybody gets to like retain retain some kind of like cultural identity within the sphere of canada it's kind of it's the line that we that we that we try to sort of we we try to store we try to stick to with limited with varying success in this country and yeah like seeing it is you know it, it is really is a galaxy brain moment where you're like wow this is like i mean the 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 actress who plays tart is like a perfect example um the, the silly fake mustache yeah but like also like the way that the actress is shot um yeah like the way like just this like saintly Im it presents this like saintly image of somebody who everyone just kind of like recognizes as male and refers to as male but it's not as relevant as like the and because this is a film that is is meant to sort of be dreamlike it what matters is how the the character sort of presents overall like broadly yeah for sure that didn't it never took me out of it in the slightest mm -hmm. like i never at all never at all uh, was phased, or I don't know, it was it was not even a thing. It was like a great, you know, half of a second realization of what they were doing, and then just like full-on appreciation of like, sure, why the hell not? Like nothing is stopping any of this other than whatever societal norms or expectations that people have. This is great, and I loved it. Well, I like, loved it. It's like that need that, because film is such a visual medium, it's that need to like use it to document the facts, quote-unquote. Mm -hmm. Um if this movie, you know, if this exactly, if this movie had been made in like a standard historical fiction style, it would have been exactly like those heritage minutes, exactly like the kind of movie that we're not really interested in watching anymore. A bunch of like whiskered white dudes discussing good governance and policy, and like nobody wants that. Um, the conceit of this film, I think, to a certain degree, is part of it is talking about how like emotion like drives politics and how like how emotion drives people to to quote unquote greatness, whatever that is. Like, um, 
you know, Mackenzie King wants to be prime minister because his mother had a vision and she does all these like bizarre, creepy, like George Bush looking paintings. Um, but for me, that was so much more of, about privilege and expectation. To me, there was like that was built into so much of that character. And I don't know if that's the actual person in history, but I think underlying every single thing this was a person who had no qualifications whatsoever, you know, and I told by, you know, cutting a ribbon well or, or calling an albatross. I don't know. How many clubs, how many seals can you club? <laughs> yeah, I exactly. clubbed many more but, seals. Yeah. And like the only thing, the only thing this person had was expectation and certainty that he would become prime minister. And I, I felt like that, that said so much, um, you know, I, I think that's all I... male privilege and all white privilege mm-hmm. as well. But I mean, like, regarding Canada's history and this person. The whole, it kind of stands as like a fun parody of like the whole idea. Like I think, I think we talked about this a bunch of times uh, during wizard picks, but also um, in other films, this is like the hero's journey again, but this is like a weird, like slapstick, like, like really snarky take on that same journey um, with all the powers of prophecy and all of the great destiny and all that kind of stuff. But like, this character's destiny is not that great and they're not really qualified for it. I've two people have to, he is literally the last man standing at the end of the film. Uh, (laughs) And he makes Canada has fallen and he makes the least, uh, he makes the least difficult choice, uh, which is to do nothing. Um, Mm -hmm. The shot, there's a shot at the end of the film as just as we see the flag coming up where the where Tart supporters are like we see like a big sh- a big like big shot of them all standing like and their faces just like crumble. Perfect. <laughs> Absolutely. Is, perfect. So that is the French Canadian experience uh, of Canada in a nutshell. The perfect and the green color. Oh, what a wonderful oh, boy. What a goodness. beautiful movie. Um, yeah, so colorful, like so. Uh, every uh, like, every again, everything is everything just strikes me as a reaction to everything that the Canadian history has presented to us in Canada as dark and dusty, and again, wood paneled rooms and beards and and good governance. Um, and we never talk about Mackenzie King's weird foot thing, which I don't know. I don't know if that's a diary <laughs> excerpt. Um, or if that's just like a symbol for like general repression that I'm sure came out in like a late, late 19th, early 20th century, uh, like Canadian man's diary. Um, but I loved that angle so much. The flesh pots of Winnipeg, um, the man in the booth with the legs dangling down and he's just like lolling over these feet. Well, and I, I really liked Lady Violet too. Like, Lady Violet, oh, so Lady Violet good. can be like a little, a little pushy, like with the, the getting a little too friendly with the footsie. But <laughs> like, if it's Lady Violet versus Ruby, I'm on Team Lady Violet every day. Like, she seems every cool. It's intoxicating. Um, <laughs> very pushy with the foot. Uh, <laughs> the, oh man, um, I love. And see, and I'm sorry. No, go, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I mean, like, and, and that's why, Corey, I, I don't, and I don't know, because I don't know the budget for it, but there are a lot of decisions that I actually don't think it was because of, like, cheap budget. Like, to me, this movie felt like it was shown exactly as it wanted to be shown um, in in all of these, you know, sort of, like, artificial ways. Like, there are a lot of tiny little things that they didn't have to do. Like, that chairlift scene, there are a lot of animated parts in that. Like, you didn't have to do any 2D animation for this. You could have just had, like, stick figures or something. I don't know. Like, I, I felt like a lot of this, like, I... um. 
I almost, uh, I don't want to assume because, because I, it felt like everything was so incredibly realized. Yeah. Uh, it definitely does not feel cheap by any means. Yeah. I was just wondering if that was like the impetus oh, sure. for the look. Well, and like, that's what I was going to ask. I mean, have you all, cause it reminded me, I don't know how many people have seen this and I don't know if I'm going to recommend it, but Lars von Trier's Dogville. Sure. <laughs> Very much enjoy Dogville. Uh-huh. I watched Dogville, and I don't regret watching Dogville. At one point, I was like, it's been a long time since I've seen Dogville. I should watch Dogville again, and I mm. started it, and I'm like, I'm not doing this myself again. No. Oh, dear. Such a I think it's... cold, remote man, that Lars von Trier. No, I think that's one of his better, or the one of the ones I, one of his, my favorite of his, but still favorite is such a, not the right word. Mm. Uh, but yeah, but like, I, you know, it, it felt like there was like, with that especially as well, like there was a vision there, right, of just soundstage and, and sort of a over the top Baroque, not Baroque, the opposite of Baroque, mm. uh, uh, you know, sparse atmosphere yeah. that they're trying to create. Um, and, uh, According to like Variety, that. I that with this. Uh, this movie did have a low budget. But they don't mm-hmm. say what the budget was. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it would be impolite. What? Two loonies. It was, two it was loonies. Roughly two. It's a toonie, actually. We have toonie. a coin for that. Oh, oh, oh I'm so sorry. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> two, two loonies and a Molson. <laughs> <laughs> You'll fit right in in some parts of Canada, anyways. I mean, I have watched Strange Brew, if that helps. A little bit. I think that still helps uh, in parts of rural Ontario, sure. Sorry, Angela, I interrupted you. Oh, it's okay. I'm just wondering, you know, I am curious whether the the foot fetish thing was real or if it was like of all of the sexual fetishes to pick to, to you know, this one is pretty easy to show without going rated X, but it's also kind of like the middle of all of the sex fetishes that you could. It's, so it seems to me a very Canadian one. Also, Canada will show a dick. We don't care. Like, right? We don't. We're not prudes. We'll show a dick. We'll show a dude touching his dick on camera. We're cool like that. That's right. You need to put that on like a sign. Welcome to Canada. Come see we a show dick. dick. Yeah. Yeah. Come see a dick. Oh yeah, bud. You come for the. You come for the dick, have you? <laughs> Stay for the health insurance. <laughs> what I'm gathering from a quick, um, quick Google search here is that he did not, in fact, have a foot fetish. Oh, I see. It was an aesthetic things. choice, <laughs> and I'm telling oh, there's, there's you, no, it, there's no evidence of it. He's such a strange figure. We like we deliberately. I feel in Canada we deliberately don't like really spend a lot of time with our past prime ministers because it, you know our perception of them is kind of like you know elected official who like I don't know generally just kind of steers the ship towards the middle of the road. Which is well, and that's very... what I was trying to figure out. And I think this movie did a great job. And through my, you know, I didn't do a super ton of research about it. But the fact that what I read about him was was pretty, uh, it, it seemed pretty apparent and pretty well regarded that he didn't have a lot of skills in diplomacy and politicking and deal making. And so uh, I was left wondering, like, well, then how the fuck does this guy keep his job for so long? And I also think that this movie does a great job of like, you know, he just wanted it. He just wanted to be he wanted it. it. And like, you know, the prime minister's job is not as is not necessarily as important yeah. as like his ability to like, again, formulate policy and do a bunch of like boring stuff that makes for boring historical drama. But if you read his diary, oh shit. 
Shit gets weird. <laughs> um, what did you guys think of the Governor General character? That's uh, Canadian comedian Sean Cullen rocking uh, uh, some real good, like, fashy gear. Loved it. I loved every actor in this movie. Mm-hmm. He leaned into it, and I just fucking loved it. My God. Ugh. Yeah, um, those were some of my favorites. I think the you know the bloviating governor general character, Lord Muto, uh, who's not a real governor general, just like like it was close, right? Minto, Minto or yeah. Um, yeah. He's also apparently not a terrible guy or fashy at all. Um, but like the governor general's role is kind of like a legacy of our of of us being part of the British Empire. I can see how he gets kind of like wrapped up in that kind of like fashy uh let's go on the march kind of like imagery um against those wicked half men half elephants the boars <laughs> and i mean i agree like it's like it's an exaggeration it seemed like a, a full-on exaggeration of what propaganda was probably spreading around that time mm-hmm. that you know canada from what i read did have a pretty big enlistment into relatively speaking, into the, the you know, the Boer were trying to, you know, get the control of gold and diamond mines. You've got to have uh, those sweet diamonds. Um, yeah, early Canadian, the 20th, um, you know, the movie begins, Canada's only been a country for 33 years, so, you know, everything's still, like, shiny and new. Jesus age. Yeah, uh, and we're trying to, 1867, we become a country, so this is 33 years after that, and we're trying to figure out what we can do with this thing called Canada. And, you know, it's very, very popular in English-speaking Canada uh, at the time. And, you know, generally, uh, we should go to war. And we'll prove ourselves as a nation that way. Hmm. Um, we'll get involved in, like, little European wars for the mother country and all that kind of stuff. Um, and that's often very popular in English-speaking Canada. And then we see in the film, um, as we see in history, uh, French Canada will have none of that. French Canadians refuse to die for any European ever. Um, they won't do it. Uh, and much of the conflict in Canadian history comes from these moments where we're like, okay, we're going to go to war. And French Canada says, well, that's a dumb idea. Like, why would we do that? War's not here, man. Um, and the Boer War is the first example of this. Um, but it comes up again and again. It's a huge problem uh, in World War One, and it's a huge problem in World War Two as we start to talk about, do we conscript people? Do we send people to war? What's, what, is, what level of involvement are we going to have here? Um, I thought the movie like, did a pretty good job of, again, like, tackling a lot of like, really serious like, sticking points in, in Canadian culture. And again, just like, Ian, just taking it with absolute lunacy. Um, See, and this is good. I, I feel like this is some of the stuff that was flying over my head. So I, I appreciate the the context here. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, through while I was watching the film, I was like, what's what is everyone's take on this going to be? And how much how much Wikipediaing will they do or have to do <laughs> to like really really appreciate this film? And I think broadly, like, you know, other than like you know certain sticking points of history the the french canadian the french and english canadian issue like i think i think this movie kind of explains itself pretty well um i think it explains itself within the terms of its own self like yeah, yeah. Uh, what's the what's the 
the guy who's Meehan or whatever. Like, I don't have to know. I don't. I don't have to know who that guy is. I just know who he is in the context of this movie and their enemies. Like, yeah, political rivals or whatever. Like, I don't need to know like anything real about his life to to understand his character and enjoy his involvement in the movie. And like, honestly, most Canadians don't don't know too much about Arthur Meehan's life. And I also feel confident saying that this movie is not for Americans. It's it's for can- Canadians, right? Like it, this movie, or, or at least to say, this movie has no interest in explaining Canadian history to Americans. No. Like that's not what no. this movie wants to do. Like it wants to say, "Hey, Canadians, look at our history." Mm-hmm. And I'm right on board with that. And also, I agree with Corey. Very appreciative of the little context you gave. Oh yes. yeah, yeah, no problem. Yeah, they teach they teach us history here. <laughs> what a paradise it's wild I, they don't teach us all the history uh, um, but some of it anyways dicks so I, and history what is dicks, this dicks and history <laughs> but never together I was. I would love to hear more of your all's opinions or take or experience with other super surrealist movies like this i feel like i don't i feel like i always want to see more of these than i've seen and i'm always sad like watching this i was like oh great it's been a long time since i've seen a good new one of these and i guess i I don't really have a a larger framework other than you know like jodorowsky or you know uh some of david lynch's weirder stuff or you know i this movie actually made me think a lot of julie taymor um and a lot of Hmm. uh titus stuff and it was it was really on the line for me, and I got um, I feel like I I get intrinsically what's the word what's a grown up word for it because I don't want to say scared, uh, but I get <laughs> but I get uh, uh, it, there there are times when no 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 there are times when excessively surrealist movies can be um, disturbing like existentially disturbing mm. to me in an uncanny way like I think about God fucking charlie kaufman's synecdoche new york i don't know why that hit me in a real sad place but it did or or like or julie tamer's titus or anything else like that there are all these these like i love experiencing these wonderlands but every once in a while they can go a little too far from my my tiny god like did you ever see tidelands the um i did oh man that that movie messed me up (laughs) wait is that that's that's That's, uh uh, what's his face monty python dude Yeah, yes, I've seen Tidelands. Yeah, Terry Gilliam. Terry Gilliam, yes. Um, I'm and, like, and, so, and so, like, this movie almost had bits of it. Like, there was the time when you go into his mother's room and you just see that black curtained bed. And I got a little nervous. Yeah, it's like, creepy. What's, what's gonna be? <laughs> or even at the end of the film when it appears again, like the monolith in 2001. Oof, and the she's monolith. Like, she's like, exactly. And you're like, ah. And so, yeah, so about that, I would love to, what are y'all's, do you all enjoy movies like of this sort, the surrealist, heavily art-directed movies? Do you have favorites? What's your, what are your take on them? Uh, I was excited we watched one. I would strongly recommend, I don't know who's seen this, I'd strongly recommend uh, Holy Motors for like that kind of like surreal, uh, like yeah, yeah, unhinged. Yeah, 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 yeah. You, Peter, a... you guys can't see the level of fist bumping, <laughs> pumping that fe- that Peter is doing right now, but every muscle in his body is is taut. Because there's a because there's a a, a theater that I've never been to. I'm not gonna go now because it's COVID. But like there's a theater in Manhattan showing it tomorrow. Oh wow! And I was I, I've <laughs> seen Holy Mo- Holy Motors is an incredibly so wonderful, cool. beautiful, amazing movie. And I was enormously tempted to like I would love to see that movie again. Sorry, Holy Motors. Holy Motors oh, is yes. great. Check it out. Um, it yes. it is a movie that has that same level of like surrealism, like actually possibly more, well 
it's, it's not a, a competition, movie. Christopher. Um, it has like a level of surrealism, like on par with this. Um, that same, but also with that level of surrealism comes that same like weird dread. Like Holy Motors is like a is like a is a movie that takes place in like very quiet spaces a lot of the time, and you're just kind of like, what's happening? Because anything can happen, you know, with these films. Like anything can happen. Yes. By virtue of the fact that what you're seeing is already so strange, like anything. Yeah. Yes. Um. Yes. I'm glad you mentioned that movie. Oh boy. Um, I mean, cars talking to each other. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've not I've not heard of that. Uh, but you make me think of like uh, Guillermo del Toro, or something. Mm-hmm. Like his movies can are very strange and odd. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, I don't know. I I don't necessarily like seek out genre specific things but if it's a good movie i'll enjoy it so what about you angela have you seen a lot of you've seen el topo do you watch el topo every year (laughs) no no i mean the closest thing that i've enjoyed i mean being i don't know even if it if it qualifies but being john malkovich is about as surreal as Mm -hmm. i enjoy and i my thing is like i like I like absurdity. I like surrealism, but I need a thread to follow. If, mm. if, uh, like, say, let's mention it again, like in Black Moon. Uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Streak continues. Boy, yeah. Uh, Every, yeah. Turned um, out to be the most important film they ever watched. Right. Um, that one, it just sort of fell off. Like, I just didn't care. I was like, I don't care. But in yeah. this one, I give a shit. Like, I'm like, what is this, you know, this poor guy with all that inhibited sexual tension and a cactus? I mean, oh, geez, this poor guy. Oh, um, Alarm going off in his pants. I've actually been yes. watching, like, a lot of Charlie Kaufman, again, like, just throughout the pandemic or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I've recently watched uh, Being John Malkovich and I watched Adaptation last week. And... Oh, um, yeah. It's funny because Synecdoche, New York is like the one that I remember like connecting with me the least of his movies. Um, I don't know. Uh, did you all watch his like newest one? That No, um, I'm scared. It's going to make me sad. It's a little it's sad. It's called I'm Thinking of Ending Things. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. I'm thinking about ending yeah. things. I enjoyed it. And I think I enjoyed it because at the end of the movie, I figured it out. And like I'm like I have to Google it and like see if I'm right. <laughs> so I got that dopamine rush from it. Um, um, did you watch Anomalisa? Did I you watch his really enjoyed that? Anomalisa. I thought that was a good. Movie. I did too. Yes, um, I missed that one. Yeah, I like of his. I do think adaptation is like the greatest film. I, mm-hmm. I don't know if he will or anyone will ever top that. Uh, but yeah, Anomalisa I thought was wonderful, but it also definitely made me just sad. Like it's like Lars von Trier when I think about his movies. I've got to be. In a better place than I've been during a global pandemic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. This was the right ara- the right amount of like unhinged. It was um, gross, but it wasn't scary. Like it no, was, so good. It was gross out yeah. stuff, hurt. but yeah, it wasn't. I was not terrified at any point. Oh, I guess uh, I guess one person does get hurt. Um, it's uh, like Bert Tim Harper, and Eric type stuff. Like Bert Harper it's... gets impaled by a narwhal. R.I.P. Bert right. Harper. <laughs> Um, true story. Bert Harper drowned trying to save a woman uh, who fell through the ice. There is a statue of Sir Galahad uh, outside the Parliament buildings that William Lyon Mackenzie King had erected in his honor after his death. Um, but they were pals. They weren't like competitors for prime ministership, which is another one of those things that the movie just kind of... I guess the idea is, you know, at that time, 18, 1899, anybody could have led Canada. They were like, I don't know, fuck it, throw your hat in. Hmm. 
you know, maybe maybe a good American movie parallel of this is whatever the hell Quentin Tarantino's been doing for the last 20 years, right? Maybe it's like, you know, uh, in terms of like history, in terms of playing with history uh, okay. and like and making history your own, like, uh, you know, Inglorious Bastards or, you know, the Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, you know, just like whatever. This is the this is the way history should have been. <laughs> and it should have been a lot cooler. Right? Should have had a bitchin' soundtrack. That idea yeah. of like playing. Narwhal impaled Hitler. <laughs> Yeah, like taking historical characters and like banging them together like action mm-hmm. figures um, to get like n- new drama. Um, it's weird to think that like media is like doing remakes of history. That um, we should probably have some serious <laughs> conversations about what that means. Agree. Um, I mean, that's yeah. where like most of our like you know American mythology comes from and stuff is from you know authors like Irvin Washington who just like make stuff up about Paul Revere and now that's what we think Paul Revere actually did like people do this for a long time or Disney what Disney showed about all sure. like do you remember all the stuff like like Davy Crockett the Alamo I mean there were all these movies from like the 1950s and 60s that really shaped how I think Americans viewed their own history and Laura also people like Laura Ingalls Wilder um, and I read this amazing biography about her called um, Prairie Fires, which, like, if you ever kind of want to understand the United States um, on a political sense and how it impacted regular people during the Manifest Destiny stuff, um, read Prairie Fires because it's it's kind of mind blowing because so many of us have had family members in our, our past who did that. And so reading all about the. Um, the policy that led to those choices is really enlightening, like because we imagine it that you know it's this very romantic notion of people in calistoga wagons you know the freedom of being able to to farm your own land but we don't talk about the environmental damage we don't talk about how this this turned out to be a folly for thousands of families who died trying um so i know that's not canadian but i think that there's a similar reimagining of of the american experience that maybe needs to happen cinematically that william, is film achieved william, for canada william line mackenzie king also notable for duping uh duping settlers uh, into moving west with minimal preparation and uh and uh and no real no real plan it reminds me of I, i'm also rewatching uh all of alexander payne's movies uh who's like you know citizen ruth and election, election and yeah. uh, about schmidt and all that um the descendants but I, I recently watched about schmidt uh, a week or two ago and there's a great scene towards the end of it where um he goes to like the pioneer museum and it's all just like happy pioneers that are paving the way and you know, making America yeah. great by expanding westward. And then he's like talking to a, a Native American at a gas station. He's like, he was really enlightening. Those folks just got a raw deal, a raw deal. And it's just like <laughs> this juxtaposition of like how great the pioneers were to like, they got a raw, no, they got like freaking genocided off the planet. <laughs> like it's just, I don't know. It's, it's a great juxtaposition of scene. Oh dear. Have you all seen? As I mean, have you all seen El Topo? Yes, no, love Yodorowsky. Yeah. I, I knew, yeah, I yeah. knew you would have seen El Topo. Yodorowsky, uh, that's a um, that's a real that's a real one. He's that's, uh, spared no expense on that huge, enormous tale. 
Yeah. Uh, I would very much recommend it. Uh, Frida it is... looked over my shoulder watching this movie and said Holy Mountain, which I've not seen. Which I've not seen Holy, Holy Mountain. Holy Mountain it's so I'm good. I'm like waiting for the right, because I love El Topo so much, I'm waiting for the right moment to be uh, to watch Holy Mountain. Holy Mountain is a hell of an experience. Really, really fun. One of my favorite movies by far. Um, problematic as hell uh, in a lot of instances. Mm-hmm. But Yodorowsky is problematic as hell. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Man, guy's a wizard, though. So, for true. Oh wait, before we jump off on this, I'm curious, wizard, if you know because a, a lot of the literature on this movie referenced Guy Madden as a reference, the filmmaker, yeah. who I don't know. Can you do? Uh, so you I was gonna, you know? I was gonna talk a little bit about Guy Madden because I watched because Criterion's got quite a bit of Guy Madden up um, as well. Um, yeah, Guy Madden is a uh, is a Canadian filmmaker from Winnipeg. Um, I watched his film My Winnipeg, which is a great introduction to Guy Madden um, for anybody who's interested. Um, he's uh, My Winnipeg came out in like 2007. It's like an autobiographical film, um, but in the same way that this film this film is kind of like mixed with like Fantasia and like a weird heightened reality. Um, my Winnipeg kind of is like a documentary of the city of Winnipeg, but it's also mixed in with uh, with stories of like Guy Madden growing up. Like he hires actors to play his family, but his father is not present and he is not present. Um, in the film, there is the character Guy Madden, but also the narrator who is the real Guy Madden. There's a lot of those like weird levels of like of reality and unreality. Um, and again, like a kind of like surreal... A, a, a kind of like a surreal tone coupled with like kind of that using of like weird like weird filming techniques like like uh like uh, the 20th century is shot like it with like real like very like like grainy film stock like it's shot in like a very like old old-fashioned looking way um and uh my winnipeg likewise is shot in this kind of like outdated sort of like 50s era national film board of canada style um that looks cheap and familiar to canadians um but yeah he he is he's uh, guy madden has a has a big old a big old film career and makes lots of these kinds of like surreal like little you know film paintings uh and i really do recommend my winnipeg to you guys definitely worth checking out cool i will um, yeah. Does anybody have anything else that they want to add to the 20th century before we leave it behind forever, having learned everything <laughs> we need to know to go forward? Wow, what an experience. A wild one. Um, uh, wait, and that's why I wanted to say that that other guy, the narwhal guy, wasn't the only one who died. Also, the young child with tuberculosis died. Yes, the young child with tuberculosis does. Well, also. and who got, someone got their head cut off of the ice skate <laughs> oh that's right that was a good one that's canadian right. history it wow. is it, say what you will about how canadians deal with their history uh we're willing to go there we're willing to go there we'll show our prime minister just like taking a deep rip off of a used warp <laughs> shoe beautiful wow. so let's roll on it um yeah what does that mean (laughs) so here at crit club um we pay homage to the great game that is dungeons and dragons by using a finely tuned rating scale uh of 1 to 20 it allows us to really properly capture how a film made us feel and honor the dragon gods 
Indeed. at the same time. Um, let's see, Peter. Well, I had you. I had you go first. What do you? What do you want to? What do you want to give uh, the twentieth century? I'm going nineteen. Wow. I really loved it. I really, really, really loved it. Um, I don't know why it's not a crit. You know, it's just. It's no strange brew. Uh, I did my, <laughs> find myself uh, drifting every once in a while, um, uh, but that, that's, that's not the reason why. Yeah, I, I really think this was just a, a, a solid vision that was extremely well executed and just also a rip-roaring great time. Uh, and I learned a shit ton about Canadian history as well. And hell yeah, hell yeah, 19. <laughs> Uh, Corey, what are you thinking? Uh, I, I'm gonna give it a 16, but to me, 16 is high. Uh, 16 is in the upper, like, quart- yeah, quart- quartile, of uh, of possible scores. So I'm, I'm giving it an enthusiastic, very good, you know, 16. Lovely, Angela. The 20th century. Going with the 17, because uh, if you divide it in half on a 10 system, that's like an 8.5, and it's a solid B. Like, I enjoyed it. I, I had a really good time. I was entertained. Uh, but I didn't hit transcendent levels of film cinematic enjoyment, but really had a great time. Thank you. Thank you for indulging uh, mm-hmm. my recommendation. Very nice. Uh, very, very nice. What about you, wizard? <sighs> Join me. I'm going to give it a 20. Yeah, we got a crit. I'm gonna oh, give it I a crit. It. Tell, it is. Tell it is. More. It is. Your crit. It is I a fully. It. it is a fully biased. Uh, it is a fully biased crit. Um, you know, I was thinking of giving it a 19, but if uh, if a godless American can give this movie a 19, <laughs> then by God, you have to best me. then by God. It, but you know what? It is worth a 20, um, especially like yeah, as a Canadian. Like watching this, I was really like, wow. Like I feel. I feel like this director and and everybody involved in in the production. I feel like I feel like this film really captures my feelings about what like about what what Canada is, um, what it kind of aspires to be, and like why that's maybe not so great for us. Um, and you know, like in the context of the the twenty first century, um, where you know things seem kind of up in the air and like lots of things are possible like it seems like there there's there's room for possibility this film got me thinking about the possibilities um that exist for canada uh going forward and you know made me kind of kind of spurred in me a desire to 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 combat our our complacent nature uh and receive more than is our our right or perhaps just just enough uh, <laughs> I love it. Yeah, it's it's a vision. It, it's it's art, and it was just such a wonderfully realized vision. I felt it. I connected with it. I had such an enormously powerful time with this movie. My father's not going to uh, like this movie. <laughs> I'm also curious. Like, and I I've said it before, so I'm not going to go too deep into it now. But it it is. I I do think it's it's something that I want to think about moving forward. About like because because I, I do think it's it's fascinating to think about America and Americans making this movie about their own history and what that says about America and what that says about Canada and I'm sure we've watched so many other movies and and about from other countries and about how they reference and recognize and wrestle with their own national identity national history mm-hmm. probably not as directly as this one because it is literally about its history 
uh, and national identity. But I, but I um, love how much this movie made me think about that. Yeah, yeah, me too. It made me. It really. It it gave me like some new insight into into my uh, into this little patch of land that I was born into, uh, and it kind of made it's me want country. more for it. It's not little. It's a, it's a big it's, country. It's a big country. We mostly it's live second biggest in, in the, the world. smallest second part biggest, of it. Second biggest country in the world. Well, that's not nothing. No, I feel exactly. like my 16 is a little low now. I don't know. Uh, uh-huh. you know, Corey, I th- what if our what if our rule is you can change it within the said, show. You can change it within the show. <laughs> we can, yeah. I'll give it a 17. Shows. I'll bump it up. I I like that it's a that's an 8.5. Um, the, with Angela's um. Okay, that's uh, a that's all right. That's respectable. That's respectable. Real respectable. Never trust Corey. He's a wild card. You never know. <laughs> All right. Well, um, if you enjoyed this movie, uh, if you enjoy Canada or hate Canada or America or... I only want to hear if you like Canada. Forget it. Um, (laughs) Do reach out to us. What uh, if you're middle of the road? That's what Canada is. Then you're probably currently living in Canada. And... uh, And... I don't know. I already know what you think. Um... (laughs) If you do want to reach out to us, get in touch with us at uh, Crit Club Cast on Twitter or at CritClubCast uh, at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. I always get our email address fudged yeah, up. that's good. Perfect. Do we even get any emails, everybody? Have we? Absolutely. Loads. <laughs> loads and loads. loads of emails. We can't even keep up. We need an intern. So if you'd like to intern for us, reach out at CritClubCast mm-hmm. at gmail.com. Thank you. You'll get college credit to the college of our choice, yeah. not yours. Probably a Canadian but- college. It will not be an accredited college. <laughs> because this is our show <laughs> and not yours. Uh, well, um, what are we doing next week? Guys, what are we doing next Who's week? T- I don't know. Some, somebody's oh, in yeah, I don't even know. Usually I know, but. Yeah. So, Ooh. yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I, I wanted to ask this because I, I wanted some genuine answers. Um, so looking over the uh, available options on the Criterion streaming channel, there's a name that comes up a lot. They have a lot of movies by this person. And one of my favorite bands growing up uh, in the 90s was La Tigra. And La Tigra has a song, What's Your Take on Cassavetes? And there aren't very many um, like lyrics to it. It's like misogynist, genius, alcoholic, messiah. What's your take on Cassavetes? And I realized that if... Kathleen Hanna came up to me and asked me what my take on Cassavetes was. I would not have a single take on Cassavetes. I oh, guess damn. maybe he was in Rosemary's Baby as an actor, and I've seen that before, but I really don't have a take on Cassavetes. And that's something that I want to fix. I don't know if I'm going to like his movies. I, I don't think I necessarily even will, but I want to have a take on Cassavetes for the sake of La Tigra. So I wanted to ask, Peter, what's your take Hi. on Cassavetes? misogynist <laughs> genius it's very funny i wa- i listened to that song for the first time uh last month oh wow so I, okay. I, 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 yeah <laughs> yes i mean I, I grew up on B- bikini kill uh even so i mean like i but for whatever reason i just hadn't heard that mm-hmm. song uh and so i uh, a friend sent me that song and i thought it was very funny uh i i i am i'm a big fan of i i haven't seen a lot of his work um, but I am a big fan. I like a lot. He sort of spurned this movement or helped spurn this movement, I think, because, because I think you'll be excited to learn that my pick 
next next week uh, will actually uh, coincide with a lot of uh, Cassavetes. Cassavetes and my pick uh, sort of ran in the similar circles. Um, so I genuinely okay. appreciate Cassavetes for what Cassavetes helped bring to Americans. Are there any that he's directed that you've seen that you remember? Uh, boy. You don't have to answer uh, that right now if you don't can't recall I, yeah, I can't, it. I don't have to. Yeah, I can't call it. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Wizard, what's your take on Cassavetes? You know, I don't think I have a take on Cassavetes. I know okay. his name. I. That that's where I am. I know. I know his name. I know the song. Um, I know his role in. I know his role in Rosemary's Baby, um, in, where he is an utter bastard. Um, and I get the impression I have like a sort of like a. Like a like his aura radiates in American film, and mm-hmm. like so mm-hmm. when sort of people oh that's like a Cassavetes moment, I'm like oh okay, like that seems like kind of a sweaty American thing maybe, um, maybe a sweaty manly American thing. Uh, so I don't really have I don't really have a take on John Cass- Cassavetes, and I would be curious to develop one. Yeah, hopefully we can do that. Angela, what's your take on Cassavetes? <laughs> Cassa who? Okay. Uh, no, um, I've heard of him, and like I always hear about him revered in certain ways by certain directors, and I just it, they've never talked about it in a way that's made me want to go, hey, why don't I go down a Cassavetes mm-hmm. uh, rabbit hole? Didn't Jenna Rollins be like, wasn't she like a major actress for him or something? That's Gloria, I think, that's... I think. Oh, yeah, and yeah. that was his. He directed that. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't I don't have a, a really huge opinion, but I will say that I, you know, since we're talking Bikini Kill and Catherine Hanna, um, she on her Instagram, she has been selling this amazing John Waters filth forever shirt um, to benefit um, paying Sold. girls tuition in Togo, uh, West Africa. And I just I think, you know, anything that relates to Bikini Kill or children's education for women. So thank you, Corey, for connecting someone who, you know, is referred to as a misogynist to someone as awesome as Kathleen Hanna, because now I might watch the film with some level of seriousness. Uh, no, because I, I really think there's a through line that you can tell, because uh, I think I've seen him in more actors. I maybe have, like, only seen one movie he's directed, but I've seen him acting in, mm-hmm. in a few things. Um, but uh, but I th- there's a through line, I think, you can see of the sort of cinema verite U.S. style that he brought that you can find a straight line to... Um, mumblecore movies out of Austin in the mm-hmm. 2000s, oh, and so like you know John Swanberg, and you know like a like there's like a real there's a real cinema verite okay. sort of through line. There, I like I some of that stuff, so maybe I'll mm-hmm. like some of this. Maybe stuff. what are we watching? Yeah, so what the fuck are we the, watching? The, the, the one so uh, because I don't have a take on Cassavetes, uh, I had to like look <laughs> up what where to start. Um, and this isn't necessarily like the easiest one to start with, but it is. I've seen a couple of places say that it's probably his best. So, a woman under the influence. I'm Very hoping cool. no one has seen that. I have not seen that. Okay. We got no then, takes on Cassavetes. Yeah, it'll be 1974's A Woman Under the Influence for our next pick. This is exciting. Yeah, I wanna, I wanna have a f- firmer take on Cassavetes. Yeah, <laughs> let's shore up them takes. <laughs> awesome. Um, yeah. Well. Okay. I guess that brings us to uh, another part of the podcast, the second most exciting part. Maybe the third most, because announcing the new movie is always exciting. <laughs> In any case, yeah. let's come around to uh, what else are we watching? Peter, what else are you watching? Uh, I've continued 
uh, watching Kids in the Hall, going through Kids in the Hall, as I've said, uh, it, you really, I, like, it's tough because, I mean, like, every sketch comedy is going to have absurdity. So it's tough for me to, I don't want to draw too many conclusions between Kids in the Hall absurdity and the 20th century's absurdity. But then I, you know, I don't know. Uh, but it's still going great. Um, Canadians think men in women's clothing is still very, very funny. Uh, yeah. We've just moved beyond yeah. it now into uh, just gender blind casting. It's great. I think but, new things that I've watched. Go ahead. Sorry. I mean, but wouldn't you say that some of that, that cross-dressing opened the door, you know, between Monty Python and Kids in the Hall to kind of just like just that little door for some people to walk through um, in embracing the culture. So, I mean, maybe that, not a ton, but I'm just saying. It's a, it's a fine line. I, that's a long conversation. I've I got know. a lot of reservations around that. That's uh, fine. We can it, talk it, about it another time. It is felt like it's more misogyny than it is. Uh, I, uh, I don't know. It, it depends on how it's used. So, but Angela, Angela. What? New things I've watched. Okay. Um, I was, I had a really wonderful busy sun, like weekend. I went hiking. I did all this stuff and I needed Sunday to relax. And I decided to, you know, I'd never seen a single Star Trek movie. Uh, and so I watched two Star Trek movies. Mm. Um that's not true. I watched J.J. like two of the J.J. Abrams Star Trek movies, but like none of the like whatever classic ones. So I don't I don't give a shit about Kirk or Spock or any old whatever thing. So I watched Generations, oh, okay. yeah, which was not great. Um, and then I watched First Contact, which was pretty great. It was pretty great. It's... It was pretty good. It was first contact day, uh, so I think, on Tuesday or something too. Just yeah. you know, it it what it's really goofy. What is it's really goofy? Like what is great about first contact and what is terrible about first contact is summed up when Picard swings from the ceiling on Borg, like on the Borg <laughs> on the Borg queens, like like cable thingies you're like and then at the top of the ceiling wherever he lands there's a control to yeah. clean out the room yeah, yeah. And you're like this is great but like the warp co- the warp room has never been this large before that you can sing swing from the friggin ceiling and also Jean-Luc Picard doesn't swing from the ceiling but it's great it's so great uh, so good it is right like i don't know i've gotten because there are tears of how i watch things these days and uh i i will only just not multitask during some things you know and i definitely multitask the hell out of this and i can always (laughs) tell when something's good whenever i stop multitasking and i think to myself usually out loud this is all right all right (laughs) and and a few times during first contact i was like this is, this is all right. <laughs> Patrick Stewart's really killing it with the pathos in, in First Contact. He's really bringing yeah. his A game. It was decent. I was really glad I watched it. Yeah, Generations is whatever. I could have never watched it and been fine. It's funny that you are It's funny that you say, like, I don't give a shit about the Kirk and Spock age, and then the first Star yeah. Trek film you watch is, like, the ode to the end of the Kirk and Spock age. I, I guess yeah, that's exactly. undiscovered I feel like country. It's like the still. handoff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't yeah. know, whatever. I don't have time. <laughs> I don't have time for that. <laughs> <laughs> I only have time to watch Deep Space Nine uh, again. I'm on the end of season six. Yay. Um, Corey, what are you? Uh, what else are you watching? Uh, two things I just wanted to mention. Uh, so I watched State in Maine, David Mamet's State in Maine, which I've never seen before. Um, I don't know. I, I, I haven't seen a ton of David Mamet's stuff. I've seen like Glenn Gray, Glenn Ross, and like Wag the Dog and stuff like that. 
and I don't know. It's good. It made me think like this would be a Peter movie. I don't know. Do you have you ever mm. seen it? Do you have an opinion on this, Peter? Mm-hmm. Okay. Sorry, drinking. Uh, no, I haven't. But I did watch a random David Mamet movie. Um, wh- why is it a Peter? But what struck you as? Because uh, I don't know what Peter Pick is. I, yeah, I don't so. know why either. It was, no, it was nothing I could really put my my finger on. It's about so mm. if y'all um, haven't seen it, it's a. Uh, I think it came out around 2000 or so as far as like William H. Macy and Alec Baldwin and like uh, mm. uh, what's the sex on the city Sarah Jessica Parker uh, it's got a really good cast and it's just like a silly comedy about this Hollywood production uh, uh, Hollywood production that comes into this like small little town in Vermont and just kind of like all the wackiness that ensues I don't know it's not absolutely brilliant but it's like snappy and fun and like silly and somewhat dark Corey, comedy what's, what's your take on david mamet you know it's weird alcohol yeah right um i always get him it's for it's just like a stupid brain thing it's i always get him and harold pinter mixed up i don't know why <laughs> i don't know why they're just like lumped together yeah. in my brain um i don't know uh i i think a lot of his stuff is um you know it's like dialogue heavy and it's like clever witty back and forth and stuff and i i can get into that stuff it's not like the most natural like it's not you're not going to sit there and get proto sorkin yeah it's, you're not going to get a little full, but this is reality or anything like that snappy. uh you're just enjoying the the funny clever writing and stuff so uh, the the random movie that i watched of his recently was house of games which is a 87 neo-noir okay. and that was one of the yeah i don't know like i because i've always i've never known what to think about mm-hmm. him like i enjoyed you know Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, and I enjoy it for what it is. But for like all, his movies and the things that I've seen of him, always make me feel like he's just probably kind of a shitty dude. <laughs> like always, like always makes me feel like this dude, like the dude who creates these situations and can write this dialogue, is probably kind of just a shitty guy. He, he could very well be. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but I don't know. Yeah, House of Games is fine. Yeah, Zosha Mamet is my favorite Mamet. Shout out, uh, and everything. Shout out to uh, to the 1997 film The Edge with Anthony Hopkins and Alec Baldwin, penned by David Mamet. It's another like Mamet writes movies about, or he writes things about men in crisis. Um, yeah. <laughs> and yeah, um, I can, someone's got to. Someone's got to, right? <laughs> um, if we, if he doesn't, then we just act it out on the world stage um to great like to great chaos um but it's easy to see how like you know you can kind of walk away from mammoth mammoth things where it's about like dudes having like emotional problems being like huh i think that guy might be yeah. kind of an asshole and maybe because i mean yeah. peter we've known each other for the vast majority of our lives um yeah that's way true <laughs> I, feel, I feel like maybe maybe i was watching this thinking like I could see Peter watching this in the year 2000 or whatever when it came out and sure. liking it then, but I'm not yeah. sure Peter now would go back and look at it like with That's the same very, eyes. I trust you. <laughs> uh, there are a lot. Yeah. You, yeah. The Edge, I'm looking at the movie poster for The Edge and it looks fucking stupid. It's so good. It's <laughs> it's awesome. it's men who cannot handle their emotions being out it's in the woods. It's two men making this face. Yes. You're... I'm like grimacing. And there's uh, a bear and it's a metaphor. <laughs> the other thing that I was watching is there was a, a, a new season that just came on Hulu of Your Pretty Face is Going to Hell. And I'm That's not right. expecting anyone. Have you have you watched it, Wizard? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Um, so season four just uh, came on. Um, I don't think it was there before um, because I was just like flipping through and like it served it up to me. And it's just another absolutely great season. This is like 
the same creators as like Aqua Teen Hunger Force and um, one of the creators of like Too Many Cooks. Um, like so, it's that kind of thing, but it's about the bureaucracy of hell, and it's a lot of just like absolutely ridiculous, absurdist humor. Angela, you would absolutely hate it. Um, stay far away from it. <laughs> but uh, I don't know. Another really good season of that. Apparently they're ending it though. Apparently they're, I saw that they were just making like one more one off to kind of give it a season finale, which is kind of sad, but all, all things must come to an end. Party's over everyone. We're, we have to go back to work. All of our favorite TV is ending. (laughs) Angela, what else are you watching? You know, I haven't been watching a whole lot. Um, I don't know why I've just been, maybe I'm working too hard or something. Um, but I'm just, there's just not a lot for me to watch, but, um, what I am watching uh, is on YouTube. I'm still on the YouTube kick because I'm just I can't I can't take another night watching looking through Netflix and just being like I don't want to watch any of this or Hulu or Amazon Prime mm-hmm. um, or pa- Paramount Plus for that. Oh, but I do now have Wow Plus, which is Wow which Presents. One's that? That's what the is, um, what does that do? that's the um, the queer LGBTQ oh, channel yeah. that does all of RuPaul's Drag Race stuff and um, Australian Drag Race is coming out. Um, I've been watching season two of UK Drag Race um, and enjoying the shit out of that. Um, but also, um, I've discovered that Vice on YouTube they have uh, Vice Asia, uh, and I love watching a lot of um, like Japan news and stuff like that. I watch a lot of documentaries from NHK on. Um, YouTube because there's just something so relaxing about watching like people living happily in Japan Um, and Vice Asia had a really good story about people who during the pandemic are leaving Tokyo to um, inhabit some of these old um, dying communities and start farming and I found that really fascinating Um, it's sort of like the new uh, Fixer Upper is no longer in, in Waco, Texas. It's now outside of Tokyo, Japan. And uh, um, I would watch that show. Somebody make that remodeling show um, in Japan so that, um, and I would totally watch the heck out of it. Um, but I'm also watching, I watched the end of one of the Godzilla movies, um, the one where he fights all of the monsters, like the new one with Millie Bobby Brown in it. Oh, yeah, yeah. Is that just. Godzilla, King of Monsters. That's the one. Yeah, um, yeah. And I was thoroughly entertained. Uh, Kaiju. For the end of it. Love it. <laughs> yeah, it was just timing, one of those situations. I also, out of character for me, watched um, an NCAA final between UCLA and Gonzaga, where uh, Gonzaga won in like the last microseconds. And it was Is that very. a Mammoth movie as well? I That's wish. As well, right? It should be. It will be a movie because like the be. poor. Poor men of UCLA were just devastated. Just devastated. Like just a man, just a white dude in a suit in a locker room yelling at a bunch of uh, men of color who are like, if I don't like do well here, I'm going to get kicked out of school. I'm sure that'll really resonate with people right now. Mm-hmm. Possibly, yes. But um, Wizard. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, no. Gonzaga got their asses beat by a bunch of Texans. So whatever. But we're ta- I'm talking sports with a whole bunch of guys who don't give a shit about sports, so that's okay. It's what you're but that's basically watch them. What uh, if you listen to our last episode, I gave yeah. a full throated de- defense to the Olympics. Remember those two episodes ago? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, but no one Passionate. here watches baseball, right? There's nobody nah, nobody nah, here watches baseball, basketball. Nah, I like, nah. you know, A's baseball is back. I'll probably be talking about that next week. Tight. Ooh. 
the end of this year, the Seattle's got a new hockey team. I'm very excited about getting on that. Uh, do they have a name yet? The Seattle Finals? Yeah, it's, the Seattle... it's very No, it's very funny because it's a good name and a great logo. Uh, and then the last six months sort of turned it on its head. But it's the Kraken. It's the Seattle Ooh, Kraken. Nice. Which is, it's cool as hell. Cool, and yeah. I'm so excited. And I love hockey. And I love Seattle. Uh, I guess they didn't expect uh, Trump's lawyer uh, to also be uh, nicknamed fuck that shit. the Kraken. So um, I, I, they'll be fine. It's I think fine. I think they it's will fine. outlast whatever damage has been done to our democracy. Wizard Chris, what have you been watching? Just want to say that the Kraken will outlast all of us down there in the depths. Um, Someone needs to release it. Um. Uh. Yeah. I, the only the only thing that I that I was watching that I really really wanted to recommend again. Uh, shout out again to Guy Madden's My Winnipeg. I really think that ev- I think cool. everybody here would enjoy it. Corey, maybe <laughs> less so. <laughs> you might like it though. I don't know. I don't know. It's it, it's an interesting movie and definitely worth watching. Um, if if you know the weird the weird elements. The like mid-level weird elements of of the twentieth century tickled you, um, yeah. Other than that, um, yeah, I haven't really been uh, been been watching much. I've been doing a bunch of doing a bunch of world building for for uh, for my D and D campaign and j- just Which getting we need angry to over yeah. uh, getting angry over the state of things. It's been a long week in any case, but you know, Guy Madden was a joy and so was the 20th century. So let's leave it there. Yeah. I'm really glad Corey, you liked this movie. I was, I was like on the fence, like either Corey's going to love or hate this movie. I expected you'd like it, but I'm really glad you did. I figured that the tuberculosis girl would set a good tone. (laughs) I mean, it definitely has like a a Tim and Eric awesome show. Great job vibe to it. And I love Tim and Eric. So will you make tuberculosis against the law? That was a great. That was a great beginning. That really set the tone. Give, that was really like here we go. Give that this girl the is. Gemini, which is the Canadian Oscar. If you guys were wondering. Mm. All right. Well, I think that's it for us here at Crit Club. Uh, thanks for hanging out with us. Uh, next week we're gonna be watching Corey. A woman under the influence. Is that right? Is that what Yay. it was? I think that's what it was. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> By Mr. John Cassavetes, who we all expect to have a take on next week. So, mm-hmm. you know, tune in for that. Misogynist? Alcoholic? Yeah. All of the above? Genius! <laughs> Probably. <laughs> and once again, if you want to reach out to us and tell us sweet things, mean things, whatever, we're at CritClubCast at gmail.com and on Twitter at CritClubCast. And that's it for me. Uh, I'm with Chris. Bye-bye. Yeah. Thanks so much, Wizard. Bye, everybody. Bye.